Praise God. God is good. I'm so thankful to be here in Tennessee. The, it seems like every time I'm in Nashville area, the weather is beautiful. So I don't know if it's like this all the time or maybe I brought the weather. I don't know. But anyways, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes to ask me any question you want to ask me. You won't have many missionaries do this, and sometimes it can get you in trouble, too, by doing this. But I'm going to let you ask me anything, whether it be personally, uh, about my wife, about me, about finances, because I'm here to ask you to sow into my life and to sow into us rescuing children around the world. And I believe that when someone does that, I believe they need to open their life up because you are responsible where you put your money. You know, I hear Christians all the time say, no, no, I'm responsible to give it. No, you're responsible where it goes. So you can ask me anything. I'm going to have Aaron come up and do a song here and he has a slideshow. It's a little bit of what I do in Africa and right now I don't know if you've been watching me on the internet. There's bad press, there's good press. So you can ask me anything. If it's something bad, I don't care. I'm going to answer it here today. But anyways, listen to this song. Uh, there's, a, there's a few songs out there that people say they have wrote for me. But this song here today, what makes it so powerful Aaron actually went to the orphanage, stayed at the orphanage for a couple weeks, and the children are singing. Is this the one that the children are singing at the end? Yeah, at the end of this song, the actual children that were rescued are singing on it. But the song is exactly what I do in Africa. So everyone listen to it here. How are you guys doing this morning? I have a bit of a funny accent, so you'll have to forgive me, but you won't hear it when I'm singing. It's not every day you get to meet a guy like Sam. Um, he he kind of turned up out of the blue at our recording studio. I was in the middle of making an album. And he said, hey, I need a song for, for, for my mission and for the kids in Africa. Do you think you could write one? And he told me a little bit about his story. And I went to sleep that night so blown away that I dreamt the chorus of this song. It's called One Man's War. And I got up really fast and recorded it. You guys know all about music, but when you get an idea for a good song, you want to record it really fast. So um, we, we, we worked on the song, um, and then we had this crazy idea of actually going to Africa and recording the 300 children that he's rescued that you'll see in the movie sing at the end of the song. So that's what we did. And uh, when you hear this, you'll hear them singing at the end. So it's called One Man's War. And what I ask today is let's not let this just be one man's war. Let's get behind Sam and help him find out whatever you can about his, his mission and support if you can. Many years I 
on the other side now a child sweet fate I won't live behind when the morning comes if I stand or bleed you made me what I am
Praise God. All right, I'm going to give you the opportunity to just lift your hand up. Any question, give us time to get the mic to you because I know they're recording. And uh, so any question you want to ask me. Uh, come on, I know there's questions out there, so please feel free. Come on, we're going to have to start calling on them. Is the movie that you guys were able to make accurate enough, and are you, you know, happy with uh, the portrayal of your life oh, and what's Okay, you got to remember, Hollywood got their hands in it. Right. And 80% uh, of it is true. The whole first part of my life was a very, very violent life. They didn't even put even a fraction of my first part of my life. Everything you've seen in the first part of that movie was true just didn't happen like that. I was in jail before. Uh, I wasn't in jail before I met my wife, so that wasn't it. But I mean, it's all based on the truth. But the, uh, the end of the movie, the African part, they kind of exaggerate it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I'm going to just tell you plain out, I've never shot a child. And the one part of the movie, it, has, it shows me shooting a sniper, and the other thing is, I have never in 15 years ever said to anybody that I ever shot anybody. I've never quoted those words. Uh, people ask me all the time, did I ever kill anybody? I've heard a lot of people. I was a drug, I was a drug uh, dealer. I hurt a lot of people by selling drugs. That's the only thing I've ever quoted. Somebody else. Would you mind saying the part about the alcohol? There was that scene where you've backslid. Yeah, there's, there, there was a part in the, in the movie where it showed. I don't know why they done this. And then I, I can't talk no more okay, about the I'm movie. Sorry. I'm going to go ahead and say it, though. Uh, uh, it showed me having a really bad day. Everything was falling apart. It showed me going back into a bar room. That's not true. I've had really, really bad days, really <laughs> bad days. And I haven't drank in 22 years and uh, I haven't done drugs in 22 years. And so that part is not true. I have never had that bad of a day. And I've had some bad ones that would make me go back to the filth that I was in. Have I stumbled and have I failed? Absolutely. We all do every day. Somebody else. Right here. <clears throat> what pulled you away from the world? that you were here, the, the world that we live in, the, right, the, right. Drug, the drugs, everything, okay. what pulled you away and took you to Africa? You know, there's a lot of questions we won't be able to get to, but this one I'm going to answer. But I have the book that the movie's based on that is the truth. So it's out in the trailer if you're interested in getting it. But what, what got me, I was living in Orlando, Florida, and I've been in a lot of shootouts. I've been in knife fights. I mean, everything you can imagine. I come home from a bar room one night where I almost got killed. And I come in the house, and the next morning I said to my wife, I said, we're moving. And she said, what? I said, we're moving. She said, where? I said, Pennsylvania. My wife's from Orlando, Florida, you know. And she said, why would you want to move there? And I said, somebody's going to kill me, and it's going to be for no reason. I don't have a problem with dying, but I have a problem with what I will die for. So we ended up moving, and when we moved to Pennsylvania, it was like immediately my wife starts going to church. And I ain't going to lie to you. I was mad. I was upset because it's like God just stole my woman. It's like, God, what are you doing to me, man? You take my woman now, <laughs> you know. And my wife served God faithfully. What you see in the movie of my wife, that's a very good uh, uh, person, how she is. I mean, she's very hard, 
very stern and she's on fire for God and she was not going to back off. Was my wife a stripper? Absolutely, she's still stripping to this day, but for me only now. I got, a, I got a hot looking wife, man. And she, you know, everybody says she was a stripper. I said, yeah, she's still stripping for me. <laughs> but anyways, uh, when we went to Pennsylvania, it took me like two years to get on the wagon, but then I jumped on and I started serving God. And listen, I stumble, I fall. You know, there's no problem with that. The problem is, is when we stumble and we fall, we don't cling back a hold of him. You know, so every time I have a problem, I, I cling on to him once again, you know, and uh, that happens quite often. Somebody else. You tell me where you want to go. Let's grab her and then we'll get the ones in the back there. I'm going to try to answer quite a few before I get into the word. Go ahead. Hey, so I just actually flew in last night from overseas. So you might have, I haven't been able to see the movie. You might have already answered some of these, <clears> but, <throat> some of these questions. But um, I'm with the organization. We do rehabilitation work with yep. LRA soldiers, yep. former child soldiers um, in Uganda and Congo. Okay. And so I'm interested in how you actually rescue the children um, from the bush. Okay, let me answer that. Because the media is tearing me apart right now, big time. The tabloids got a hold of me, and they're, they're taking a lot of videos you'll find on the Internet on me, and they're saying I'm exaggerating. I first want to tell you, in the area where my orphanage is, and northern Uganda has not had an LRA attack in nearly three years. Okay, so I'm clarifying that right now. Because people's trying to say that I'm acting like it's still going on, it's a lie. I have never acted like it's still going on. Where my orphanage is in South Sudan, there has not been anyone killed by the Lord Resistant Army in nearly two years. But you go on near the Congo border, you'll find out that the Lord Resistant Army is still abducting people and still attacking people daily. Okay, when I'm in South Sudan, when I'm in South Sudan or in the Congo area or anywhere that I can, I am hunting the Lord Resistant Army, okay? Uh, some people say, well, you're supposed to be a preacher. Listen, we all got to answer for things on Judgment Day. And I will answer for a lot of things on Judgment Day. But there's one thing, James chapter 4, verse 17 says that we all, if you know you should do something and not do it, you have sinned. This man is cutting the arms, the legs, the noses, the lips off of children. He's raping children. He's doing unbelievable things. He's cutting the breast off of women. He's doing unbelievable things. I'm going to hunt this man down. And until God takes me out of this world, I will keep hunting him. So years ago, what I would do is from the children that I have on the orphanage, and there's a documentary coming out of the truth of the machine gun preacher in January or February, and you will hear it from children's mouths, the rescues that were done. But normally what we do is we travel the roads waiting to be ambushed. And I've been ambushed quite a few times. We get into what they call hotspot areas, and we'll do a recon of the area searching for children that are hiding out in the woods. That's how we rescue the children in South Sudan and also at one time in Northern Uganda. But you know, it's not just about children in Africa. Our work, if you notice our trailer, it says on our trailer, uh, working to rescue children around the world. There are children in the US that are being sold into sex slaves. Listen, there's something we all can do about it. There's drugs that are killing our children every day. If you know something about it, you need to do something about it. 
You know, in my area and there, again, I'm not saying pick up a gun. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying use violence. But there's something we can do, you know. In my area, in, in five weeks, eight children died of meth. What did I do? I shut the meth labs down. I shut three major drug dealers down. But there's something we all can do, whether it's putting video cameras up where the drug dealers are. You got to remember, I speak in high schools all over the U.S., I spoke in a high school not long ago. They said, Sam, you got to watch what you're saying today because we're going to let some kids in that's as young as eight years old. And I asked all the adults, I said, will all the teachers in the room please stand up and turn your back towards the back wall? And they did. And I asked the students, I said, I want you to raise your hand if you have used drugs or someone has offered you drugs. Almost every eight-year-old in that room raised their hand. That's sad. That's sad. Who's responsible for that? I'm sorry to say this. No, I'm not. I don't care if you like it or not. You are. We are. We are all responsible for that. There's something we can do to stop the effects of drugs on our young people in America. Somebody else. Let's get some in the back here. Go ahead. Get them. What is the best way that we can help support your ministry, whether it be us going overseas or just supporting you here? Okay, if you want to go on mission trips, but I'm going to be honest with you how I feel about mission trips. I'm not saying I'm right. You got to remember, my mouth gets me in trouble. I believe that mission trips are for us. There's something here in our heart that needs to be done, okay? Uh, I cannot say that I've rescued one child in Africa. Listen to what I just said. They rescued me. The children of Africa rescued me. Every mission trip I, I have ever been on done something here. The biggest thing you can do for our work is, is to support it uh, monthly and stuff financially. We spend in Africa, or excuse me, in Sudan and Uganda over 30,000 US a month. And everyone thinks right away, they say, well, he just had a, a movie done. He doesn't need the money. I haven't been paid from the movie yet. I don't get paid to 60 to 90 days after it hits the theaters, I get paid. I deferred my money to get some extra money. So uh, uh, the biggest thing is to, is to get behind us, and I don't want to spend the movie money. We actually have it set up that it goes into a trust fund. Because I know one day I probably won't be around to end up finishing this ride out. So we have a trust fund started, so when we get large amounts of money, it goes into the trust fund, so the ministry can go on for many, many years, because we feed a lot of people. Uh, we have just started work in Ethiopia, we just started work in Somalia, so our work is not about one place. There's children around the world dying, and there's something we can do. If you're not helping our group, there's other good groups out there to get behind and help. You know, a lot of times people think I'm all about me. No, I'm not. I'm all about doing God's work. Somebody else, right there. Hey man, how has your family been affected and how do you balance being a dad and being a husband and then being what you're doing in Africa? Believe me, it's not balanced out very good. You know, as for, fifth, for the last 15 years, uh, I was in Africa, I wasn't there for my daughter. Uh, my daughter grew up without a dad. Uh, my daughter at one time, if you watch the movie, the, 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 the actor that played my daughter done an unbelievable role. There was a time that my daughter literally hated me because she thought I loved the children of Africa more than her. 
But uh, when she graduated at 17 years old, she come to me and she said, uh, Dad, I need to talk to you. Right away, I started acting like a dad. I thought I knew what she wanted. I said, hey, if you want to go to college, I'll sell a couple deer rifles. I'll get you money. I'll, I'll put you in college. She started to cry and she said, no, Dad. She said, I want to run your nonprofit. She's 17 years old and she hated me for years. And she said, Dad, she said, if you remember when we didn't have money and we'd go in the warehouse for you to find clothes to wear, because listen, I ain't ashamed. I might wear Harley clothes now and that's because Harley treats me really good. But I'm telling you, I watch my money, how I spend it. And uh, I used to go in our warehouse and I'd get my clothes out of the clothes that's donated for us to send to Africa. And uh, she said, Dad, if you remember when you were getting your clothes, I was beside you getting mine. And she said, Dad, you remember all the times that we didn't have much food on our table? And I started to cry and I said, yeah. And she said, I was eating at that same table. She said, if anyone knows how to sacrifice for this ministry, she says, I do. And I said, you're hired. <laughs> My daughter is 22 years old. She runs our nonprofit. Her husband also works for our nonprofit. Uh, we have several people working for the nonprofit now. It keeps growing and growing. If you, if you get online, you'll see that our nonprofit new office building that we have is actually a bike building shop too. I build motorcycles. I have a couple different businesses. I even own a restaurant. So uh, one thing I want to tell you here today when you have an opportunity to give, you are not giving to my lifestyle or to anything that the money comes to me. I actually, from all of my businesses, sow monthly into our work in Africa and around the world. So I'm not here to ask you to, to support me or pay me. You're here to help save children. Let's get a couple more. Go ahead. Yeah. Did any of those individuals that you had asked for in the beginning, have they come back around? No, maybe they'll see the movie one day. <laughs> uh, I will tell you this here. I don't know why this is, but I'm going to tell you how we are as humans. A lady calls my uh, uh, shop and she says, uh, I have a check for Reverend Sam up by Ohio. And she says, I want him to come to my house to get it right away. Come on. I'm thinking big check. Come on. I'm going. I'm going, you know. So I start riding. It's about a five-hour drive from where I live. So I drive the whole way to, uh, up there on my bike. Good reason to get on a bike and ride. So I get up there to this place, and I'm like, this can't be the house. This house was falling apart. And I could barely walk up on the porch. I mean, I literally, the porch was falling apart. And I'm saying, listen, okay, I'm not perfect. I ain't going to lie to you what I was thinking. I was saying... What kind of check is this lady going to give me? What am I going to do? Get a $25 check? So I'm walking. I finally make it inside, and the lady has a meal done for me. And I, listen, I'm not a perfect preacher, okay? I'm a messed up preacher. So I sat down to eat this meal, and I'm saying to myself, my God, I can't believe this lady's feeding me this stuff. She's feeding me some canned salmon with lettuce that was brown because that's all she had. That's what she's feeding me. And then she had uh, two uh, daughters that were twin that, was, uh, that, 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 that had some health problems and everything. And they come out with their piggy banks to give me all their money. And I'm thinking, 
man, is this what I'm getting for driving up here? I, listen, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a good person, okay? I'm thinking the bad stuff. I could stand here and lie to you and tell you how godly I was, you know, but, but I wasn't at the time. I get ready to leave. Make a long story short, the lady says to me, she says, oh, Reverend, I want to give you your check. And she says, here. And she handed me the check, and I just folded it up, and I thought it was $50, and I folded the check up and I put it in my pocket. And by that time, I knew how wrong I was. That whatever that lady was giving me was all she had. And I got on my motorcycle and I started driving and I rode for about two hours and I had to stop and get gas. And I stopped, I pull up to this gas pump on my bike and, and I fill up and I said, you know, I'm gonna look what the check is. And I pulled the check out, opened it up and it was for $5,000. And I sat down on the curb and I just started weeping and crying because here is a lady that had, I mean, the porch was falling in. The windows were falling out of the house. The house was, I mean, falling apart. She has two children that are, that are and she was probably, I'm going to say in her 70s or so, and she has two children in their 40s that's mentally disabled. And, and, and she fed me their best. But she gave me everything she had. And I wept and I cried because of how wrong I was. Let's do a couple more questions and then I want to, right here. Um, you mentioned that the uh, LRA was still attacking in uh, southern Sudan. Uh, no, they're, I mean, they're, they're along the border. The LRA are attacking along the border mm -hmm. of South Sudan but they're mainly in the Congo. The man is hiding out right now inside of a, 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 a big game park, but they're all the way up to Darfur, all the way up into Darfur. Oh, okay, so yeah. is, it, is it just difficult like it was, we were talking, Darren and I were talking about, how, how can we get, just go get this Joseph you Tony know, guy? You know, that's a good question, and everyone asked that, and what I always say, what took us so long to find Ben Lutton? Right. And we have the top of the line. I mean, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the U.S., we have satellites that can read your newspaper when you're in your backyard reading it yourself. So, you know, why couldn't we get Ben Lawton? It's harder than you think, you know. And these people are jungle people. In the movie, it shows them with automobiles. The Lord Resistant Army does not travel in automobiles. They are guerrilla fighters. They fight from the ground. They fight from the jungle. So it's a lot harder to find somebody like that. Do you think it's slowed down as far as their, um, I know there was something past disarm, some kind of a You know, there's still people hunting for them. I know I am, you know, so let's get a couple. How many people are here visiting that has questions? Let's get some of the visitors. I want to. No, you, you, start, you start grabbing them. What brought you to save the children in Africa? Like, what gave you the idea to do so? You know, the, the, in the movie, it also tells you this, and in the book, it tells you also, is I went into Sudan, Africa on a five-week mission trip to put a roof on a building. I was a contractor for years. And when I was in there, I come across the body of a small child that stepped on a landmine. Now, it shows it that it was a fresh kill in the movie and everything. That's not true, but the base... The, the truth of it was I come across the body of a small child that stepped on the landmine. And I couldn't believe that people would be planting landmines that children would, would end up stepping on. And that changed my life. And I stood over that body and I said, God, I will do anything I have to do to help these people. And see, the problem with us as humans 
we say a lot of things and don't fall through it. And the thing about me is if I ever say anything, I will do my very best to complete what I said. And I'm still there in Africa working. And not just in Africa, not in one country, but I keep spreading into more countries. Is there anybody on this side we've been focusing over here? Here? Thanks. Yeah, with all you've done over Sudan, is there a bounty on you? Uh, there was at one time from uh, northern Sudan, the president, you know, everyone says, what's the big problem is, you know, the big problem is oil, but you want to know the big problem is the president of northern Sudan. Everyone got their cameras on me, I hope. Bashir is the president of northern Sudan. He needs to be taken out of office. And I've said this so many times and I've had death threats from it. I had every problem you can imagine and I don't care. He is the problem. He has caused a genocide in South Sudan. He has caused a genocide in Darfur, and he's still killing people. You know, people will blame a lot of the problems on the Lord Resistant Army, Joseph Kony, the LRA. But listen, they're not really the problem. The problem is who supports these little rebel groups. And I'm talking the John Jaweed. I mentioned the John Jaweed once before, and I was, I was approached by a journalist and said, you said you fought the John Jaweed. I don't know if they were John Jaweed or not, okay? Let's get it straight. I don't know if they're LRA or not. I do know that these rebel groups that are killing people in South Sudan and Darfur region are financed by Bashir, the president of Northern Sudan, Northern Sudan. And he finances them with guns, he finances them with uh, ammo, whatever it takes to kill people and cause confusion. What's the best way to assist an unbelieving prodigal child whose God is continually protected from that violence and drug and alcohol, but is still not surrendering and walking with the Lord? I mean, did, were your parents believers and how did they help you I was at all? raised was in a Christian home. I knew nothing else when I was a small child. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you my opinion for bringing people to, to Christ. And last year we brought thousands upon thousands to Christ last year. Stop the religious thing. <laughs> Stop the religious thing. The last thing anyone needs that's not serving God is for you to start quoting scriptures. I'm telling you, listen, I'm, I, I, know, I know the word of God, okay? I know it very well. But the last thing they need is for you to start quoting scriptures or for you to tell them what their sin is. How many here today can raise their hand and say, when you're sinning, you know you're sinning? Come on. We know when we're doing something wrong, we know it. The biggest thing is, is love them and show them they have a friend. You know what this world is lacking today? Friendship. Friendship. You know, even as we sit here today, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. There we go. We're out. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this one, but how many of you can really say that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have a best friend that will never leave you, never forsake you, that will always be there for you no matter what goes on. And you want to know something? Almost every one of us in here would say, we don't have someone like that. That's what we are lacking to this day. So if you want to bring people to Christ, you need to show them that you can be their best friend and show them that you can be friendly.
Let's go ahead and get a couple more. Okay. We're back on. We're back on. Just we'll leave these back lights on off. again. All right. Hey, can I say one thing? If you, if you guys, anybody in here, this is not a plug for money. We're in heavily involved with a ministry called Place of Hope, Columbia, Tennessee. If you've got a young man, a young woman in your life that needs help, alcohol, drug addiction, absolutely, uh, we'll take them free of charge. And so, see me afterwards or email me. Conroychurch.com will get you them. Somebody in the back right here. How much time would you say you average a year in Africa? I spend about seven months out of the whole year in Africa and five months in the U.S. And most of that time is on the road. And uh, 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 I thank God for the wife that I have. You know, I, I say this all the time to people. How many's here today that has their spouse with them or married? Come on. All right. I always ask them, when was the last time you argued with your wife? People will say, well, just a few days ago or maybe today on the way to church. Well, me and my wife never argue because we never see each other enough to argue. And when we do, we're not arguing. <laughs> I had a question on what is your interaction with other uh, missionary organizations? I Africa? tell you, I get asked this here a lot. And you remember in high school, they'd give us a report card and they'd always have comments at the bottom of your report card. Mine always said doesn't work well with others, and I still don't. <laughs> you know, what happens is, you know, when you're a founder of something, and I don't believe it's always my way, but people try to come in and they try to change everything around. When I first started the orphanage, I had every psychiatrist, I think, from the U.S. wanting to come in because they felt they had the answer for my children. Listen, the word of God says that he is the counselor, not man. I don't know where, and I'm not here to, to discourage anyone or cause an argument, but if you're here today and you're a psychiatrist, great, we need people like you, but the counselor, the true counselor is here. So the truth is held in here. If I'm going to counsel someone, or if I'm gonna help someone, I can only do what the word of God says. And the biggest thing that these children needed was to become children again. And they needed to know that someone loved them enough and someone was going to protect them. And that's what we do with our children. We show them the love of Jesus Christ. One more question and I want to get straight into the word of God. You are a pretty radical guy. <laughs> And we've got a lot, of, well, a lot of young people here, teens and 20s, and in our communities. And some of them are walking away from the Lord because they're not seeing the real true God. What would you tell teens, 20-year-olds, that they should do to really experience who God truly is and can be? You and everybody else around these kids need to show them that serving God is fun. You know, the problem with us, the older we get, okay, in my church in Pennsylvania, we got a light show in the church for nighttime services. I hate it. Come on, I'm old, man. I get dizzy when I get in there. The lights are flashing, I don't like it. We have a Starbucks coffee shop in our church, okay? I come home from Africa, they changed this whole thing around. Painted a bunch of stupid colors, hung up stupid stuff, I hated it. But you know what? Young people like it. It's not about what you want. It's about what young people want, okay? And it's about showing them that serving Jesus Christ is fun. You know, and I think what happens is 
we all start getting a little bit of age on us and we all want things the way we want it. And the next thing you know, young people are saying, that ain't fun. That ain't fun. Why, why should I go to church? I can have more fun uptown, you know. And you know what I'm saying. And I had to learn myself that it's not about what I like. It's about what attracts people. You know, I want to uh, read a little bit here this morning, but I want to talk to you about hearing from God. I believe that everybody in this house here today has heard from God. And I believe that God spoke to you today to even be here. God spoke to many of you on different occasions. But there's so many times people say to me, well, how do I know it's truly God? Okay, the biggest point is when God speaks to you almost all the time, it's going to be for something that you are not going to benefit on. You're not going to benefit on it. And something else, when God speaks to you, it's going to be something that you do not want to do. You know what gets me is so many people, they'll say, man, I'm just so happy what God has me doing. I'm so happy God has me going this place and this place, and I'm just so happy with it. I just love to, listen, I ain't going to lie to you. I don't love doing everything that God has me doing. I'm on the road seven months out of the year. I got a grandbaby that hardly even knows who I am because I'm gone all the time. I don't like it. I ain't lying. If you love everything God has you doing, then maybe he ain't having you do it. Because when God sets us out to do something, you're usually got to make a sacrifice. And hearing from God is knowing his voice. You know, every time I go to Africa, I'm... I'm uh, I guess you'd call me like evangelist. I'm, I am a pastor, but I'm not really a pastor. I'm more of an evangelist. But God gives me a story to work from. When I'm over in Africa this trip, we're leaving the orphanage. We're coming back into Uganda. The rain is pouring down. My one driver is sitting next to me, but I'm driving. The road is muddy. You know how the roads are there. I mean, it's muddy. You're sliding everywhere. I'm trying to drive fast, barely keeping it on the road. And I look down on the floor, and I see my fire extinguisher fell out of the little brace that it's in. You know, it's strapped on the floor, and it fell out of there. And it's rolling around on the floor. So I said to this other driver, and he, he is a, a guy that is out of Uganda. He can speak a little bit of English, but not too much. I told him, pick up that extinguisher. And he's like, huh? Pick up the extinguisher. Huh? I said, pick that thing up on the floor. So he picks it up on the floor, and he's holding it. And I look, and the pin's gone out of it. So I look on the floor and I said, grab that pin and put that pin back in that fire extinguisher. And he's like, ah, and he's trying to talk back. I don't know what he's saying. And he's holding it in the air. And finally I told him, I'm getting upset. I'm still trying to drive. Put the pin back in the fire extinguisher, man. And I'm getting a little worked up and he's saying, push it. <laughs> and I say, yeah, push it. And he pushes that thing and it goes off. It hits me in the face. The thing locks in place. He's squirting the whole vehicle. He's trying to control it. I look at him. He looks like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Because, I mean, he's all sprayed up. I mean, this thing is going nuts in the vehicle. Finally, he got it out the door of the vehicle. And I stopped and it stopped spraying. The whole inside of the vehicle is totally white dust. I mean, white dust everywhere. We couldn't even drive any further. It's all over the windshield. And God says to me, you see what happens when people don't hear my voice? The same thing happens. What was my problem driving down that road? Does anybody catch it, the story? 
The problem was there was a language barrier between him and me. And let's be for real. There's a language barrier between you and God. When God speaks to us, we can hear his voice right away, but then we don't wanna listen. When God speaks, he speaks in the spirit. And sometimes we just don't get it right. People, we gotta get close to God to literally hear everything he says. If you're sitting here today and you have needed a blessing for many, many years, listen, your blessing is there. It's just you don't quite understand him. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings. 2 Kings, you can go ahead and tune that thing up. Okay. Uh, 2 Kings, I'm going to read from chapter 4, and I'm, I'm going to try to quit here. You know, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. If you've got to leave in a few minutes or something, because I'm going to be running out of time the way it looks, I'm going to tell you, you can go ahead and leave. God loves you. I love you too. If, you're, if you were sent here today to give to me, I'm going to ask you to be patient. But right now, this part of this service is not about the children of Africa. And it's not about children around the world. This part of this service is about you and God. So I can't rush totally through this. You know, this is about you and where you stand with God. Starting at chapter 4, I want to read here. Excuse my reading a little bit. Uh, one day, excuse me, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah. First, I want to say here, listen, it don't matter who we are. We can be a wife of a preacher. We can be a son of a preacher. It doesn't matter who we are. Bad things can happen to us. You know, a lot of times people say, well, why me? Why me? My husband does this. I'm a Sunday school teacher. This shouldn't happen to me. Listen, there's verses in the Bible that tells you bad things can happen to all of us. But it's how you handle bad things. I have bad things happen to me all the time. And you want to know the greatest thing about going through a storm or going through a valley or everything's falling apart and you think it can't get any worse? Most of the time it's not going to. When you feel you're halfway through a storm, you know it's halfways over. So it's time to rejoice. You know, the biggest problem is, is when we're in a storm or a trial, we start complaining. And the word of God says that we're to rejoice. We're to be thankful. You know, somebody inside of my town, I come back and somebody from my church, they said, Reverend, we got to go over and talk to so-and-so. They're really, they're, 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 they're out there talking bad about you. They're giving you a bad rap. Let them talk. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 11 says, if we are persecuted for his sake, we are blessed. You got somebody talking about you because you're serving God? Let them talk. You know, you got somebody talking about you because you're being stupid? Stop being stupid. <laughs> Came to Elijah and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Verse 2, what can I do to help you? Elijah asked. 
Tell me, what do you have in your house? You know what happens to me, and I, I, I was telling this to a brother last night. There's so many times we get into debt. We have people in our church that are totally in debt, and they want to get out of debt. And the first thing that I tell them is, if you want to get out of debt, you got to let me into your life. And they'll say, okay, okay, I just want to get out of debt. And the first thing I do is I tell them, let me come to your house. You want to get out of debt, start selling the garbage you don't use in your house. There's things in our homes that we can start selling. The things that are in our home is why we're in debt. So you start selling them to get out of debt. That's exactly what the man of God is telling the lady so many thousands of years ago. What do you have in your house? I don't know why, but around the world, we think when we're in debt, we need help, that we go to the church and let the church pay it off. No. You got in debt, you get out of debt. I was in debt thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Attorneys told me, Sam, you need to file bankruptcy. Listen, if you, if you are here and you filed bankruptcy, there's nothing wrong with that because that's God, God wipes our slate clean, so let the government do it sometimes. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I said, I'll get myself out of this mess, and I started selling stuff. And that's how I got out of debt. And then you want to know something? All of a sudden, you start making money again. I don't know how many people in our church, I don't know how it is here, but income uh, as soon as the income tax comes, they take half of it, and they pay their bills up and take the other half and go deeper in debt. That don't make no sense. Take it all and pay your bills off. Listen, to, for us today to prosper for the kingdom of God, okay, to prosper for the kingdom of God, we need to be out of debt because we're, when we are in debt to man, we limit our time with God. People say to me, what are you talking about? We start working all the time and we don't give God our time. I'm getting distracted here. I want to get right back to this word. Verse 3, and Elijah said, Elijah said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. You know, you got to remember here, the man of God is giving instructions that God is giving to him. When you have a serious problem and you call upon God to fix it, you got to hear every word he says. He said, go and borrow as many jugs as you can. Sometimes, you know how it is, God calls us to do something. How many of you here today can say God called you to do something? Come on. How many of you here today can say that God has called you in the past and you've done it only half ways? Come on, I've done it, half ways. We need to go to the full extent. This lady went to every neighbor there was borrowing every jug she could possibly get because the man of God instructed her that that's what God wanted her to do. <clears throat> and it says here, verse four, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. She could have just went into the house, never shut the door, but she heard every word. You gotta remember, for your blessing that is hanging over you right now, you got to hear every word. God wanted the door shut behind them. Pour olive oil 
from, from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside. When it's filled, so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was, was full to the brim. Got to remember, she could have filled them a little ways from the top. But she went to the full extent to what God was asking. She filled them right to the brim. You know, I have people saying to me all the time, they're saying, well, Sam, how far are you going to ride this thing, what God is doing in your life? I remember when it all first came out with Dateline in 2004. I sat on my couch and I cried because it showed me walking with a machine gun. And then right before that, there was, a, there was a story done where they called me the machine gun preacher. God said, grab that name. I own the name machine gun preacher. People say, well, how far are you going to ride that? I'm going to ride it as far as God takes it. God is a miracle working God. Sky is the limit. There's actually a TV show that comes out next spring. There's a documentary that comes out. Uh, January, February. Listen, there's a clothing line that's coming out right now called Machine Gun Preacher. We got people getting ready to make video games called Machine Gun Preacher. Listen, people say, well, how far are you going to ride it? I don't know. God knows. But you want to know something? I'm going to take it to the full extent. You know, this widow lady, she could, have been pour, she could have been pouring them and her back got sore and she said, that's enough today, boys. We got enough oil. We got enough oil. You don't have to fill them all up to the brim. It might spill out and make a mess on the floor. No, the word of God says she filled them to the brim and she kept calling out, bring me more, bring me more. What do I keep saying? Bring me more. I want more, bring me more. I want to rescue every child that I can around this world. I want to stop sex trafficking here in America. Do you realize how strong sex trafficking is here in America? And I'm going to say something here today that some of you might get upset with me. Do you know where a lot of the center of sex trafficking comes out of? Anybody here want to say it? Huh? Where? No, but I'm saying what state a lot of it comes out of, sex trafficking. You stand up and say it. I didn't say that. Y'all run me out of town. But listen, God sent you here today so you can begin to save lives. Children are being sold in America for sex trafficking. They're being sold in third world countries and we can make a big deal about it, but it's happening here in our own land and there's something we can do. Let me finish reading here. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. She even wanted to keep going. See, when you start doing good things, don't ever get the attitude that you're finished. 
you got to have an attitude that you want to keep going. You want to keep going. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, when she told the man of God what happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live off of what is left over. Listen, I'm not going to stop until this ride is done. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that many of you here today, your ride is only beginning. You know, and I mentioned here earlier that this part of this service is not about children in Africa. And right now, what I'm going to ask each and every one of you, this is not about children in Tennessee or children anywhere in the world. This part of this service is about you. I believe that many of you are standing in that room where you can begin to start pouring the oil. I believe that many of you have heard from God without a shadow of a doubt, but you just got things a little bit messed up. I'm gonna ask you here today, I'm gonna ask everyone in the room to close their eyes right now. Just close your eyes and listen to what I'm saying. Aaron, come on up. If you know without a shadow of a doubt you're right where God wants you, but you're just a little bit messed up. I'm gonna ask you not to even think about it, and I'm gonna ask everyone to keep their eyes closed. Stand to your feet if you know that. If you know without a shadow of a doubt that you gotta make a commitment to God today because you know he's speaking to you, I'm gonna ask you to just stand to your feet. You got to remember, this is not about children right now. It's about you and Jesus Christ. Because see, unless you give it all to him, you cannot prosper with him. So I'm going to ask you one more time, if you need to make a commitment today, I'm going to ask you just stand to your feet right where you are. Just everyone keep their eyes closed. You don't know who's standing up. If you need to make a commitment to Christ today, Stand to your feet. Praise God. Every eye just keep closed. I'm going to ask all the ones that's standing. And listen, if you are still sitting, and if you want to say this prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and say it, okay? It's a very simple prayer, and it's a prayer of salvation. Some of you might say, I've been saved a long time. Listen, our part is, or our problem is, sometimes we only give God our heart. God don't need your heart. It's the first thing that he tears out of you and replaces is your heart. God needs your hands. God needs your feet. God needs your mind. God needs everything about you. So in order to do that, we have to give it all to him. So I'm going to ask you if you're here today and you want to say this prayer with me, just repeat after me as I pray it. Our gracious heavenly father. Come on, speak it out loud. Our gracious heavenly father. I stand here today as a sinner asking you, Lord, to forgive me of all the times I didn't believe, all the times I didn't trust you, 
All the times I've walked away, all the times I've cursed you, I ask you now, Lord, to forgive me. I ask you now, Lord, to allow me to be part of your family. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Praise God. You can keep standing your feet. I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as these ones are standing here today, they knew without a shadow of a doubt that there was just something they were lacking something they were lacking to fully prosper in your word, to fully go out and save a life. Father, I ask that anointing will fall upon each and every one of them. I ask that your presence will rest upon them, will rest upon them, that the windows of heaven will begin to open up. And Father, the storm that they are about to face or the storm that they're in, I'm asking that you will end it I'm asking that you will take them through it. I'm asking that you will strengthen them for the storms that lie ahead. Because Father, when we begin working for you, things get rough, things get hard, but that's when you can work in us, Father. I'm asking that your spirit will work in each and every one of them. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated. You know, I'm going to ask you, I'm a little different than most missionaries. As Aaron's playing this song, and I'm going to turn it back over to the pastor, I'm going to ask you to think about and ask God to speak to you what you are to do today. And listen, if God don't speak to you to help our work, don't do anything. But I'm asking you, there's children around this world that are dying. There's children around this world, here in America, that are being sold as sex slaves. You say, how can that happen in America? It's happening today. There's something each of you can do. See, me, I don't look at my life anymore because I don't have one. I gave it all up. But I'm here today to ask you to help us save lives around this world. In Sudan, in Uganda, there's rehabilitation. You know, God showed me a number of years ago, if we don't rehabilitate the children that was abused and the child soldiers, we may as well have left them die because they gotta be rehabilitated. We have work going on in Ethiopia few months back, I was actually feeding 6,000 meals a day. We had to drop back to 3,500 meals a day. Some of you think that's sad. You ought to be me that has to live with it. But I'm here today to ask you to help, Pastor. Thanks, Sam. You know, Paul would tell us, and I appreciated that about Sam. He said, you know, don't give out of emotion. It's funny, I used to apologize to ask for money. I don't, I don't do that anymore because we're not financing Sam's American dream. You know, but I, I think that what's, why Paul said don't give out of emotion, only give according to what the Spirit told us to give is because the Holy Spirit will tell you more than your emotions will tell you. 
So check out of the emotions and ask the Lord, what would he have us to do? You said, what can I do? I've been asking myself that for five years. What do we do? Every war has to have a supply line. Our troops, whether they're in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever, there has to be a supply line to get supplies to the front lines. It is just as noble of a goal to be in the supply line as it is to be in the battle lines. So I would ask you this morning to just ask yourself. Take a moment to listen to what the Holy Spirit would say. My guess is that if it's zero, you might need to listen again. Make your checks out to Conduit Church, and we'll give Sam one check so he can leave out here today with one check. And, and Sam, I want you to hear me say that we're, um, we ain't much, obviously, but uh, we're here for you. We have got your back. And I felt like the Lord was saying this morning that when we launched this church, I saw a general on CNN, and he was talking about, I don't know, something completely different. But he said he was a bomber pilot in World War II, and he knew the only way he knew that they were in the right place, they didn't have the technology we have today. So they'd be flying nighttime sorties into Germany and Italy, and the only way they knew they were in the right place was if they were getting shot at. If they weren't getting shot at, they knew they weren't over a high-value target. Our enemy, his weapons are, Jesus would say, I think in John 8, that, the, that Satan is the father of lies. And I just feel like you got to know that uh, they're coming for you, the enemy. And his weapon is what it was from the beginning when he lied to Eve. That's his power. And I say to you as a church and as brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever we're going to read of Sam or any other of our brothers and sisters when they're being crucified in the media, hear me say this, I don't care how thinly you slice the bologna, there's always two sides. And when we read these things that'll come, these attacks that'll come, I ask you to just pray and to believe and to understand that, uh, like Sam says, the documentary's coming, but let me tell you, that the, the enemy, he brings us lies, just Jesus, when he returns, will be coming with his weapon, which is truth. And it is our job to speak the truth. So Sam, I just want you to know that we're going to be telling the truth about you. And we're going to be here. He's invited me to go to Uganda with him, and I'm, I'm there. And any of you uh, guys, girls, who want to go with us, we'll get a date. We're going. Um, this church was founded. If you've wondered, man, what kind of a name is Conduit? That's kind of dumb. It's just a pipe. Bingo. The pipe is cheap. It's easy. It's replaceable. It means we don't have a whole lot of overhead so that we can give more. We're a conduit of his spirit, his resources, his love, so that the community in front of us, the world around us, can come to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. That's what we do, and we are here for you as a church. And I know that brothers and sisters in your other churches, go home and tell the story. But as these buckets are coming, go ahead, I guess, bring them and... Aaron's going to sing, ask what the Lord would do, make your check to conduit church, put machine gun preacher in the, in the memo line. We'll know for sure because we're going to do one count here and just send him out with the check. But um, ask God what he would have you to do and listen to what he has to say. You were the first day of my life. You're every hope in my tribe. 
How can we find you? AaronHenderProject.com. CDs are going to be out in, we used to joke that we have the Mobile Assault Ministry Unit, MAMU, which is the trailer out back, but I think we've been one-upped by Sam. We hit ours in the back, we were too embarrassed. Um, Don't forget, if you're a visitor, to go see Angie uh, and Tim at the, at the coffee table. Angie right there, I told you she's lovely. She'll give you a, uh, a, wristband, uh, a wristband exchange for it. And look, I'm telling you, we're not, we're not recruiting you for the church. I don't, I don't care where we are in the church. We're a body that has to lock arms together. Uh, if you are looking for a place to fellowship on Sundays, we're a, we're a church of action. Um, 
It's what we love about Sam. He, he makes us look like chump change, but that's what we do. You know, the tornadoes in Alabama happened. We had a semi within 24 hours. We were moving. That's what we do. Um, but I, I would encourage you, to, though, to go back to your churches and to your brothers and sisters and to, uh, to let the Spirit flow through you, to be a conduit to your brothers and sisters, to be people of action. Um, keep following Sam on his website, machinegunpreacher.com. Maybe the Lord will speak to you to uh, become a monthly donor with that. Whatever the Lord is speaking, just go with that. We're not here to, uh, I'm not here to pressure you into anything, but know that uh, I'm awful glad you came. And my prayer is that, uh, my prayer is, is that as the churches in the Nashville community, Bucky is, uh, I don't know where Bucky went, but Bucky and Kimmy back there, they've been working strongly with what's been going on with the child sex trafficking in Nashville. As a church, we have got to stop. We've got to stop sitting around talking and doing committees and sustainability conversations and just do something. I mean, even if it's wrong, do something. As my friend Mike Coop says, just do the, just do the next right thing. What's the next right thing to do? Do that and let the Lord lead as those steps come. That's how we ended up here. So you guys have a great week. We are glad that you came. Um, know that we're praying for you. Please, please continue to pray for Sam. I promise you that these attacks are coming. And don't believe everything you read. Uh, have a great week.